You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Word Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We're going to be talking about the Ole Miss Rebel Black Bear Shark Thingamabobs that they are. <laughs> and hey, we got ourselves a win. One of the prettiest, and I feel like that I'm on repeat. One of the prettiest, but we did win 35-28. And uh, with a little bit of rain, I feel like that caused a little bit more chaos than I feel like Auburn fans wanted. Um, but we did have some really good positives, and I think we'll get to those a little bit later. Jared, what do you what do you think about this game that we've uh, gone three and two? And uh, I mean, not exactly where Auburn fans wanted us, but we got ourselves a win, and a W counts for something. Yeah, I mean, I've I think I've said in the past this year is just get a W. I mean, I don't you know listen. I would like to beat people by forty like Alabama does, but at this point, just get a W. It's a weird year. We're still learning under a new offense, and you know we won by seven and. Um, so I, I was pleased. How about yourself? I mean, I think so. I mean, it wasn't the the most flashy and most amazing. There were definitely points where I was scratching my head a little bit, but they I feel like we're getting fewer and fewer of those, um, except on special teams. And we'll get to special teams because special teams has a whole a whole topic devoted to it later <laughs> in this. Uh, because man, uh, for them being so good for the most part in their first four games, this this one. Uh, was a big struggle bus for them. Um, but Jared, let's, let's talk about one of the things that I know we focused on a lot, which was red zone offense and scoring when we get in the red zone. I mean, there's so many fans, uh, myself included, that have noticed when we get into the red zone, particularly in the 20s and even in the 10-yard line, it seems like we're just stalling out. It seems like we we try one or two things and then we can't figure out anything, so we just say, "All right, Anders, do your thing and uh, make us three points." And uh, you're not going to win many football games doing that if you can't score touchdowns. Uh, and, and this time we scored four times out of four, so 100 percent when we got inside of Ole Miss's 20 yard line. Uh, so <laughs> we, we were not very good before this game, but we're up to 58 percent on the season. Uh, for scoring when we get inside the red zone. Jared, uh, what do you think attributed to our red zone offense uh, and their success this this game? Um, Well, I mean, I know one, Tank definitely scored on, and that's what we've all been saying. Please give the ball to Tank. That one was maybe from like the eight-yard line. And remind me, I don't know, in the fourth quarter on the drive where we, you know, basically Shanker kept it going with the, the third and thirteen. Um, did Tank on that that bus that run he had there was that inside the red zone as well? I'm not sure. Um, I think so. I think the only one that we were that we weren't in the red zone was our final touchdown, and Seth. that was with yeah Seth Williams. Seth. Okay, so I mean I I mean listen I, I don't 
it's not totally this simple, but we've been talking about give it to your playmaker inside the red zone. We had not been doing that. We did it, and we got two touchdowns. So, I mean, you got to give a little credit to him. Um, but you got to give the coaches credit for doing that, realizing that change and handing him the ball. Yeah. I mean, and I think one of the things that we're noticing and seeing very much is evident is Bo Nix is very comfortable when he has a running game that he can rely on. And I think Tanks, uh, along with Sean Shivers, I mean, Sean Shivers didn't have a, a terrible game either. I mean, he had pretty good numbers there. And you combine what we did on the run game and you get Bo Nix involved with that, I think you set him up for success a lot more. Uh, another thing, I mean, we noticed about Bo was, uh, I think this was one of the first games where I felt pretty good with him on the road. Uh, that's been a big critique of mine, and I think of plenty of Auburn fans as well. Uh, what did you think of, uh, what changed, I, I guess, with this game that we we did to kind of help out Bo and get him going and uh, comfortable on the road. I think we did some quick passes. Uh, we obviously, we, we love the uh, screens. Uh, it doesn't take much to realize that, but we also did some quick slant passes. Somebody pointed this out on Twitter um, on the slant to Seth. It was like a third and three, the one where he leaped the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also did something pretty unique. Uh, uh, Bo was going to Seth the entire time, but the coaches have shown him when he took the snap, he was looking to the right. So he was looking right. Seth was to the left. He was going to Seth the whole time, but he did look off the linebacker. And so he created that, that gap there for Seth wide open. So we know that's his favorite target. That's okay. That's a good target to have. Um, but you gotta, you can't just stare him down and kudos to the coaching staff and Bo, you can plainly go back and watch that play. He looked them off. Linebacker moves over with his eyes creates a huge gap for Seth on a slant. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that, that's something that I feel like we expected out of a second year quarterback to be able to look off a guy and get your, your main target with Seth Williams, get him the ball. And you saw what, what happens when Seth gets a little bit of space. He, he tries and usually succeeds and <laughs> making hurdles some people. <laughs> he, he hurdles guys. He catches that at the half yard line and, you know, just ridiculous things that Seth Williams just is a complete baller of an athlete. Um, another fun, fun little play there that uh, I think we, we all have seen plenty of times now is J.J. Pegues just destroying an offensive or a defensive player on Ole Miss. And, uh, it was not fun for the for the defender. <laughs> Man, he I'm, listen, you go back and watch that, the way they – call targeting and stuff i don't know if there's ever been one behind the line of scrimmage (laughs) i mean he laid that dude out hey listen was it i just thought about this was it old miss last year where Derek brown runs onto the field you know because he was supposed to be on that was last year yeah it was last year was was that old miss where he flattened the guy oh that would have been hilarious i think it was old miss last year they where they the running back gets destroyed by Derek brown so they old miss might uh you know they might they might uh second guess playing us next year (laughs) Hey, they're going to be calling us just uh, nasty players that take cheap shots. But that was not cheap shot. I mean, no, it wasn't, no, JJ it was protecting his quarterback at that play. And literally he was like, um, I think you're about 100 pounds less than me. 
and six inches shorter than me, I'm about to just lay you out. There's so many things I want to do with JJ. I'm thinking like, man, he would look good on the defense, or man, he'd look good as a permanent offensive lineman. And then he, <laughs> and then he always every game does something amazing as a tight end. And I'm thinking, I don't know what you do with this guy. He's very talented, right? Um, I mean, but, we saw yeah. him line out, uh, line up a, co- a few times in the wideout position, Absolutely. kind of more for blocking. And I think a couple of those were decent successes. There weren't any crazy successes where he was out there. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if this was one where he was out wide or not, but um, Eli Stove was going to score if if Bo doesn't throw it too low or he catches it in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's one where JJ was out there or not, but you don't. But um, it may have been because they were moving him out wide. It and, might have and been, honestly. We forget that play. That was going to be a touchdown. I mean, it was beautifully designed. Yeah, I mean, he had at least I was looking twenty yards. Yeah, I mean, and, I said he was going to score. I don't think anybody was going to touch him. But the yeah. whistles blew, and we all know that people, as Auburn fans, just, we stop when the whistles blow. So maybe it wouldn't have been a touchdown. But he had, definitely had a lot of room. Oh yeah, I agree, and. I think that's a good way to use JJ um, in this offense. It's just get him to block and every once in a while, use him in that wildcat where we've seen him earlier in the season and uh, just let him do his thing. I mean, that size of a guy with, and he's just freshman. Like I feel like he's just playing with more or less yeah, he's raw an talent. Kid. Yeah, he's a <laughs> he's a freak, dude. I think for him, I listen. I'm not trying to get anything going for his pro career. He probably needs to start learning how to get down and play some defensive line because that athleticism. But for now, we're gonna have fun watching him. You know, play tight end. Yeah, no, that would be. I'm just thinking. The body type, he's bigger guy like a Derrick Brown. I don't think he's yeah. Derrick Brown quality on defensive line unless he did play defensive line in high school. Maybe he did. I don't know that don't, much about him. I think he probably did whatever. He, he probably went to the coach and told them what he was going to do. And they're like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, sir, Mr. Begeese. Yeah, whatever you right. say, sir. <laughs> he was at least a foot taller than any of his coaches. Yeah. And 150 pounds heavier, too. Yeah. Did you hear, uh, I don't know if it was Ole Miss's defensive coordinator, but the ESPN guys were talking about one of their coaches, and they said, I think it probably was because they all are new staff now, and he said, how did we let that, he said when he found out he was just up the road, he said, how did we let him get out of Oxford? Or, yeah. mm. So, um, yeah, that was a good pickup. Yeah, that was definitely a good one. Uh, another fun play that I, I definitely noticed, and uh, I feel like at the moment it was very much needed. I mean, you know, you knew with both offenses – there was going to need to be a stop. And Roger McCreary's interception in that end zone was so big. Uh, yep. I mean, there's uh, there's turning points in a game, even early on, where you, you get that momentum shift back. Um, and that was one of those where I thought, wow, Ole Miss is about to score. Yay us. And then Rodgers d- decides, all right, I'm going to pick this ball off and maybe try for a pick six for 108 yards or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a few teams on your schedule that you – it's basically like, all right, you're not going to stop them. It's you got to – it's like a chess match. You have to kind of, you know, punch, counterpunch, and Ole Miss is one of those. And essentially that would have put them up 7 nothing. And, you know, we look at – when I first saw McCreary running out, running it out, I was thinking, what are you doing? But if you go back and watch the film, the, all the linemen had quit. They were not going to catch him. It was the receiver who was in the end zone who came out of McCreary's blind side to tackle him, or he was gone. Yeah. So I, I now feel a little better about why he brought it out. It didn't matter. We won the game. But you're watching live, and you're like, go down. But if you look at it again, I mean, that one guy doesn't get him. He's gone. 
No, I agree. And I was thinking the same thing. Like you're eight yards back in the end zone. There's a few people, you know, within five yards of him could possibly tackle him, but he saw a gap and he was running towards it. Um, I think you still probably go down. I think the coaches say go down, but, and let's be honest, they would have called some kind of uh, blindside targeting or holding (laughs) if they would have ran it back. That's just what happens. But, um, but I, at least when I saw the replay, I said, oh, okay, I kind of see what you were seeing, uh, Roger. Yeah, Roger absolutely. That. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, I mean, there were definitely some big plays. I mean, one of the bigger ones that got called back, I mean, against Tank Bigsby. And that, mm. I mean, he was out of out of the play. I kind of get why they called it. But at the same time, I don't think that was uh, – bad enough for them to be like holding i mean we we noticed this for most of the game there weren't that many holdings or pass interference is called and of course wait 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 let's let's just touch on that aj when you say not that many there were two (laughs) that one and auburn's last drive to to drive down the field there were two holding calls the entire game and Ole miss had one penalty for five yards so I mean, home I know, cooking, gonna, baby. Home we're cooking. Gonna, well, we're gonna get to it. I know everybody says, "Well, that last play where it touched," you know, everybody apparently everybody's forensic scientists and can tell that it absolutely touched his hand. There was DNA left on the ball. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. it may have, but I, I mean, two holding calls and they called that one. I mean, right. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Anyways, okay. I'm over it now. I I got it off my chest. I know, and, and I mean that that play itself, uh, where they're saying, "Oh, it touched his hand," and you're like, "Okay, did you watch the other angle?" If you look at that angle, I, I, I the first time I looked at, it, I was like, "No, he he's at least six inches from the ball. Like he he's more or less jerking back from the ball." The angle they kept going to was that side angle where they see his hand kind of like flinch back because he's like okay, this this ball popped up on me real quick. I need to move out of the way. Um, and so, of course, everybody's like, oh, it touched his hand, obviously, right there. And you're like, there's at least two angles, if not more, that I'm sure Birmingham was looking at uh, when they were reviewing that. And th- there was nothing for them to be like, oh, yeah, this is needs to be reviewed even further. But I think this this leads us to a bigger discussion, which I saw not not just Auburn fans, but – some of the national kind of names and uh, bigger people talking about is, is Auburn just a lucky team? Like what, what's going on with this? Because, you know, they think back to, you know, Arkansas where, uh, you know, better for better or worse, there was a whistleblower. The play's dead done with Bo Nix's snap um, and, and spike. And then they think about this and they're like, what the heck? Like two, two plays that potentially could have caused Auburn to lose this game. Um, or, you know, in the last, I guess in this season, I guess is uh, what I'm trying to get at. But I want to turn that over to you, Jared. Is Auburn a lucky team? Um, I think that there are a lot of plays in every season for every team that changes the outcome of the game. And for whatever reason, people on Twitter love to hate on Auburn. And it could be my bias of I pick up on my, my ears go up when I see it. But I think there is something there. I feel like it's been there since Cam Newton. Um, to be honest with you, um, I mean, listen, it, uh, it was unfortunate the whistle got blown at the Arkansas game, but I would have liked to have seen that played out. Does Auburn got? Do the Auburn guys around it fall on it too? I don't know. Um, 
I think we can have grown-up conversations. You you wish we could and say, hey, it was unfortunate. They made the wrong call live, but they made the right call on replay. And I don't see how you argue that. And in the Ole Miss game, um, let's say he did touch the ball at the very end. Let's just say that. Well, guess what? Auburn had that kick return taken off. So now we're dead even at seven. Okay, we both got seven taken off the board. Right. But you you can't say for – and if somebody wants to argue, they say, well, that flipped the game. Well, don't you think a kick return in the third quarter to start the third quarter has a pretty big impact too on how the rest of the game goes? So, I mean, yes. Is it questionable? It's questionable. But you can't say for a fact that that touched his hand. Did it? It may have. Um, but at the end of the day – I just think there's plays in every game. And for whatever reason, people love to rag on Auburn. Yep. And it's one of those, I I see where people are kind of getting at, where it, it does look like sometimes Auburn gets lucky. Uh, they think back to the kick six, or they think back to the prayer in Jordan hair, and you're like, oh, those are miraculous kind of plays. But the players were there. Uh, like, I keep going back to... Uh, luck isn't necessarily luck. Luck is where preparation meets the opportunity. Boom. Luck is what people kind of attribute to. Let's but say, you have to be in a position a, where you have have the opportunity to catch it. And that's where the, the practice, the training of being in the right spot at the right time comes in. You make a great point. Um, I'll say three things. Running a uh, kickoff back is not luck. That is not luck. That's a crazy play. That's not luck. Mm-hmm. Catching a tipped pass for a touchdown to win the game, that's luck. However, in that game, Auburn dominated until the fourth quarter. And if you want to talk about people getting lucky, Aaron Murray did not score. That should have never even happened. So, again, there's there's nuances to every game. There's bad calls. It's a game of inches. And, you know, the reality is a lot of teams aren't even in a position for an end-of-game call to matter. So. You want to say Auburn's terrible, they should be 1-4, yeah, 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 whatever. Okay, Auburn is putting themselves in the position to take advantage of those plays. Plus, if they did miss, we were still down. Like, mm-hmm. we had to drive the field to win the ball game. Yeah. Go to Arkansas. It was terrible weather. We still had to make the field goal. So, it wasn't like game over, that did it. Yep. We still, as a team, had to put it together to win the game. So, I don't know, man. There's just It happens with every team. And for whatever reason, um, I just feel like Auburn gets it a little more. Yeah, no, and one of the more recent ones I feel like people harp on is, oh, they, they were able to kick a 50-plus yarder right before half for the Iron Bowl. And you're like, okay, how many yeah, kickers... Gimme, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, how many kickers right before half could make that with literally a second on the clock and say, boom, go kick it? I I would I would say not too many. Not many. AJ, have you seen I've watched three Alabama games this year and in all three of them Saban has argued time should have been on the clock before a half or something <laughs> and they all it got put back on on every one of them. That's fantastic. I'm like, are you is this real life that I'm in right now? That's what I keep saying to myself. So, I don't know. You know, essentially um at the end of the day, <clears throat> they don't rank it based off of, you know, uh, what what could have, would have, sh- I mean, it's what happened. We won. We're three mm-hmm. and two and move on. And, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to get some bad calls that cost us games. So, yeah. It, and, it's and just how it goes. I mean, it's literally how the ball bounces sometimes is how, how the play plays out. Um, and sometimes it's going to fall Auburn's way. Sometimes it's not. Um, and I mean, that's just where 
you you hear Gus and you hear all the players say, well, I mean, it's just the way you play the game. It's you got to bounce back from any bad thing um, that happens. It's the adversity that players uh, overcome. And that's more coach speak, but I mean, it's, it's true. <laughs> like you can't just let tank Bigsby's hundred plus yard return, uh, just get you down. No, you got to put together a drive. And I mean, let's talk about the offense, just what, where we're kind of getting to, which is more productive and sustainable drives. I mean, we had five scoring drives totaling. Okay. Let me go through this 95 yard drive, a 79 yard drive an 88-yard drive, an 80-yard drive, and another 80-yard drive. So all drives over 79 yards scored points for us. Pretty good. I, I'll take that any day, where we're scoring touchdowns off of driving most of the field. Uh, I, I'm, I'm in a happy spot when our offense is doing those things because if we can do that, I mean, even after uh, against a subpar kind of defense of Ole Miss – it's still an SEC defense. It's not the worst defense in the world, and uh, we're doing that. Um, another good stat that I saw was on third downs. I mean, that's again been our third down. Like we need to convert. We were, we converted almost seventy percent of those third downs. Eleven of sixteen. Eleven of sixteen um, on uh, on during the game in Ole Miss. Um, another good thing for our offense, we ended up having a pretty balanced offense. Uh, we had 238 yards passing and 224 yards on the ground. So just a handful more uh, passing the ball. But, I mean, do you feel like this is a balanced offense at this point? Um, and do you like where it's moving towards now that we've seen about a half season of uh, Chad Morris's offense? Yeah, I really do. I think that, you know, we were hollering for tank tank. I, th- I think this game plan yesterday would have beaten USC, but um, I think we were hollering for tank tank, but that's not what they built it around in the off season. So, you know, to give the coaches credit, maybe it took a week or two to say, all right, we're going to revamp this building around tank. How do we then mix in the pass plays? So I look like, feel like they finally did that this week. Um, listen, we have two potential superstars on this team. And that's Tank and Seth. And you you have, I don't care if Tank's a true freshman, you have to start. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be a focal point. And I think they made him that on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, um, when you when you give him the ball 24 times, uh, I feel like that's, it's funny. I mean, I've heard it before, but you know, Auburn fans are, give you know, give a guy who's hot the ball, just keep him going. And then, of course, we we get the opposite of that, where we've seen you know the carry on Johnson, where he yeah. just gets run into the ground and gets injured, and so you got to find that balance, which I'm sure Chad and Gus are trying to find is where's that line um, with these guys. And I think when you need them, I, I'm fine with the Tank running that many times, 24 times in a game. I mean, I'm I'm honestly okay if it maybe needs to be 30 times in a game. But if we get more than that, it's a uh, it's setting him up to get injured. And uh, if he gets injured, it's going to be a, just how explosive he is. Not not just you know running the ball, but he's a threat uh, receiving and on kickoffs. Um, so goodness knows, like we got to kind of I don't know, just keep an eye on him, not give him too too much. AJ, there are three Auburn running backs in the history of Auburn who have had three 100-yard rushing attempts as a freshman. Can you name them? I mean, I, I was thinking Bo. 
Um, Pretty good guess. That's one. Bo of them. Jackson. Um, the, probably my freshman year. So I was thinking Mike Dyer. Is that? That would be number two. Okay. Who's and then the third. I mean, I'm gonna say Tank Bigsby. I feel like you're leading me. Tank Bigsby. Yeah. Three in Auburn's history. Um, and if you know Dyer could have, you know, that, that off the field issues led to him leaving. Who knows what that would have led to? We know what Bo's you know, legacy led to. So I guess the point there is, I mean, we still, what are we still, what do we have five more games and tanks already done it three times. So, um, he's special, man. I did. I, I will say, let's give props, um, to worm worm ran the ball hard. He ran well. Mm-hmm. I thought he read the holes. Well, there were a few times he could have gone. I feel like worm might've bounced out and he didn't, he went up and then out, which is kind of how you really, you know, get your yardage. So I thought he did well. DJ had like two or three carries and did well. He like he got injured um, again. But um, everybody ran the ball well. I think you're right. I think the sweet spot, I don't really want to go more than 25 unless we have, like, all right, look, we're in crunch time. You know, <laughs> you do what you got to do. Yeah. But I would say the plan would be 25 or less. Let's get him in that 20 to 25 range um, and maybe allow him to wear, you know, at least 10 or more of those are coming in the second half. Defense worn down a little bit. Hey Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. Another thing that I, I was kind of watching, because with Tank Bigsby running the ball so well. And we we started to do a good bit of the RPOs again with Bo Nix. And uh, we had Bo Nix, you know, do the RPO, sometimes hand it off, sometimes pull it, either run himself or y'all, you, you have the pass option there. And sometimes it, it seemed like we would just go to the you know, screen route, which, you know, is okay. Um, but, I mean, I think, Jared, you made a good observation of this. Like, what what's kind of your... Uh, read on how this RPO really can be uh, an explosive play and lead to some big big yards. Well, the only coaching experience I have is Dynasty Mode on NCAA 2014. <laughs> but um, I did read this on Twitter, and I don't know. I would give them credit if I remembered who it was. They said that the about Auburn, the RPO is designed to draw the linebackers in to fit the run gap. And then it, it they vacated the middle of the field. So you then come in behind them with slants or, you know, other type of routes in the middle of the field. That's what an RPO is designed to do. I feel like Auburn does a lot of RPOs and then throws it to the screen. Maybe they have, I'm sure they have a reason for that. Maybe it allows them to set up their blocking that half second. But I feel like it creates another 
uh, something Bo Nix has to think about with the fake handoff. Whereas sometimes he doesn't sling it out there perfectly on the screen, just like to uh, Stove. Yes. Yeah, so if we take that motion out and it's strictly just a pass, whereas you're not really doing anything with an RPO on a screen because the linebackers, they're not going to get out there. They're not even worried about that. Um, you've sucked them in and that really hasn't helped you any, in my opinion. That's yeah. my thoughts. What do you think about it? I mean, I think that's a, a fair assumption because as soon as you see the RPO happening, that linebacker's reaction is they're about to run it, either quarterback or the running back, so they try to stop it. Sucks them in, and then that opens up a gap behind where the linebackers are. And I think that can lead to some productive yards. Um, we've seen, I feel like, very few and far between times where Bo has passed over the middle. It has been successful. I mean, we had, I think it was uh, either last week or the week before, where we had a pass over the middle for a touchdown. Um, and and that's that's the kind of thing you want to you know, add in there as Bo sees, uh, sees things a little clearer. Um, and maybe that's, I don't know, if he's just not comfortable <laughs> passing over the middle yet um, because he seems to be passing uh, outside the hash marks a lot. And while that's fine, I mean, I think it, most of the time it's okay. You got to kind of keep that, uh, keep them a little honest. <laughs> and sometimes that's throwing over the middle. Let me add a uh, quick, it, it, we didn't get to this because we didn't need to. That that other, that uh, slant to Seth, um, I noticed this. So they kicked, because uh, I was like third and three, just handed to Tank. And then they sent Tank out wide. And I'm yelling at my TV, no. And then what they did was, is they lined Tank up right behind um, uh, Capers. I think it's Capers. And Tank ran a slant across the field. Capers cleared it out. So there were two options there, and I thought that was a great design because when they split Tank out, I was like, what are they doing with him? Why is he not getting the handoff here? And so I wasn't even watching Seth. The problem is I don't think Bo, I think Bo was going Seth the whole way, but it was a nice play design because we had Tank coming across the middle. Capers had cleared it out, and Tank was open as well. So there's a lot of things that we're doing here. Listen, people still think Gus is calling plays. He's not calling these routes. No, no. I mean, he probably had a hand in less. He probably went and told Chad, we need to run the ball more. But he's not calling these routes because these were not Gus routes. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I mean, splitting a wide receiver out, I don't remember Gus doing that hardly ever unless it was a trick play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they were never there to be used. And it was, we're going to come back to that because, I mean, that was, Capers is a big body. He cleared it out, and, I mean, it was there. I mean, it was wide open. He didn't need it because Seth was wide open too, but um, I'm sure they'll go back and see that on film. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there were, there were some good plays. I mean, even Capers, I mean, he only had one catch, but plays like that where you're looking at him and thinking, all right, I see why you're getting some play time. You're, you're knowing your role in this offense, and uh, that's good to see. I mean, I feel like there there's times where – um, I mean, even Capers had one long catch where it, he honestly probably almost had it, and he just ended up dropping it. Yeah, and you're thinking, you're yep. that close. You're yep. that yep. close to, to being that uh, fourth, third, fourth option kind of to, to Bo. Yep. Um, we've knocked on Bo a lot. Bo was, well, Bo was 23 of 30. Capers dropped that one. I know Kobe Hudson dropped one. Yep. I know I know Schwartz dropped one. That's mm-hmm. three. Yep. And I feel like Seth dropped one. So I'm counting like four drops. Yeah. And so and he was twenty three <laughs> of thirty, even with the drop. Yeah, exactly. I mean you're you're looking at a guy like Bo and you're just thinking, All right, if 
you know, hypothetically in a bubble, which obviously football is in a bubble, but all players catch the ball. He's completing 90% of his passes. Uh, and that's, that's kind of numbers that gets the, the, you know, the eyes a little wide and you're like, all right, I see you. And, and this is one of those away games where Bo has struggled um, in, in previous games. And this was one where I like to see that. And, and my, the verdict's obviously not out about Bo uh, in away game situations because there's only 20% fans. And uh, this was one game. It's one game where he did improve. Um, but I did think the coaches managed him fairly well um, and gave him uh, certain things and kind of kept him a little focused, but also allowed him at times to go through his progressions to see if there's anything there. And uh, I feel like finding that balance, I mean, you're seeing it now uh, five games in, Chad and Bo definitely building that trust that is needed for an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. They're building it, and it's getting production. Um, It's not the most beautiful offense. It's not the explosive offense of LSU of last year but it's getting points on the scoreboard. Um, and I would take that any day. Um, and a lot of that's because Bo was comfortable. He handed the ball off. He passed uh, very accurately for the most part of this game. That's the kind of Bo we need to see game in and game out. And when he gets to be that consistent, I will start to be considering him one of the better quarterbacks. Right now, he's, he's, he's kind of like getting there. He's above average for me but he can get even better um, and get into that top two to three quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, any other thoughts on Bo and uh, this offense? Yeah, I mean, real quick. I mean, listen, we're, I'm not crowning Bo Heisman winner, but we, listen, we, we've we all been critical of him on the road, and we, we just need to be fair. I mean, be critical, okay? Yeah, the USC game was not good. This game was good. It's okay to say that as people. You're yep. not, you were not putting him as a Heisman. He's got a lot of work to do. But Bo Nix deserves credit. I mean, did you see where Pro Football Focus they had the top four quarterbacks this year, this past weekend by their ranking in the nation? They had Wisconsin number one, Bo Nix number two. Wow! Uh, so, some guy from West Virginia three, and then Justin Fields four. So, I listen. I know that a lot of his passes are screen passes. Those are still passes. We've seen quarterbacks that can't hit those even. So, um, I mean, that's uh, you know, again, <laughs> he's got a lot of work, but. That's a good sign. It's okay to be okay with that and say, you know what, he had a good game. Let's pat him on the back. Let's build on that. It doesn't mean everything's fixed and everything's right with the world. But he did look good on Saturday. Yeah, and and that's something I wanted to hit on. Like, Bo did look good. Um, it, even in a wet kind of scenario, Bo didn't turn the ball over, didn't fumble. He uh, didn't throw any interceptions when I feel like in a wet game, I feel like that can easily happen. And he managed the game. Um, I mean, we talked about it last week, finding that balance of playmaker versus managing the game. And I felt like he found that that kind of balance there. And I think Chad started to see we need to get Bo involved in the run game because he feels super uh, – he just feels a lot more confident. He, he reads that zone really well. I mean, he, I mean he's, he's very – inside the red zone, he had a touchdown. I mean, he, he did it against Alabama last year. Um, I think he's he's an intelligent kid, and really you just kind of key on what that you know that lineman on the edge is going to do, and he's reading that you know I would say probably at a ninety percent clip, and he's athletic enough to get fifteen, twenty, thirty yards on that. Yeah, I mean Bo, I mean we've we already said it, but Bo is 
improving slowly but surely. Is he where we thought we would be? I don't think so, but that's okay. I mean, I think he's getting to the point where he's getting comp- uh, comfortable and confident with where this offense is going. And once a quarterback sees the vision for a, an offense, he can get behind that 100%. And I think that that's kind of where we're getting to. Yep, agreed. Uh, let's talk very briefly on uh, the defense, uh, and then we'll talk about the special teams at the end because, uh, goodness, the special teams, guys. <laughs> All right, the defense. Uh, I feel like in and of itself, they're doing pretty good. I mean, considering Ole Miss and their tempo was just insane. Like, it honestly reminded me so much of Auburn's, you know, Auburn fast days where we were running a play every 15 seconds or less. And this this offense for Ole Miss, when it's going, you saw how good it would, how good it was. But Auburn's defense was able to stop them a few times, and, and I started to see we just have to stop them really two, three times in the second half, and we're gonna win this game. Uh, and sure enough, that's that's more or less what happened. We had to stop them, and that turned into uh, points on our our side of the field. Um. What did you think of how we kind of attacked uh, Lane Kiffin and the Lane train and were able to slow them down? Do you kind of point to anything being a big success for our defense? Um, I was very frustrated to be honest with you, but I go, I, I heard somebody at least present the concept of Auburn essentially played a preventative style defense the whole game because they went back and watched Ole Miss film and said they score quickly on a lot of big plays. And so essentially we tried to keep everything in front of us, make them move down the field, and there were, we got them to punt several times or throw an interception. You make, you make teams have to use more plays than they're used to doing. It's kind of like when a batter's at bat, and if he can just keep fouling off pitches from a pitcher, well, that pitcher runs out of things to do. So that's kind of what we did with them. I will say, though, um, tackling's an issue, and I don't know what that is. That may be lack of – practice with COVID, but tackling, it's the worst tackling I've seen from Kevin Steele's team um, since he's been here, in my opinion. Um, but if you want to look at a bright spot, there are no good defenses this year. So I think we're not an outlier here. We're number three in the SEC. And and you may have mentioned this. If you did, I'm sorry. We're, we're number three in the SEC in scoring defense. So while I know we want to be pulling our hair out, we are number three in scoring. And I think, AJ, you mentioned or somebody, we may be the only team that uh, in the SEC that is yet to give up more than 30 points. Yeah, I mean, in that number itself, you're you're thinking about how explosive some offenses can be, and uh, teams like Ole Miss have put up lots of points already in this, in the, ex- except for their, really, the last two games for them. So you're we were able to do some stuff. Are we up to what we had with Derrick Brown, Marlon Davidson, and that crew of last year? No, I don't think so. But we can be effective um, on defense. And I think that's that's more or less the, the message to our team is you can be effective. You don't have to be completely shut down, shut them down 100%. There's, there's not going to be a defense that shuts down a team, honestly, for most, of, especially in the SEC. I think if you ask Kevin Steele, um, if you got him off the record, he would said, listen, my game plan was don't give up more than 28. We're going to score more than 28 on these guys. Um, don't give up more than that. Hmm. And and he kind of managed it that way. He said, you know, I'm okay with that number. Now, I have no inside scoop on that, but I think that was probably it. Like, let's make them earn it. 
Um, use the clock, keep them from having too many opportunities and with the ball. Um, and it worked. I yeah. mean, it was frustrating to watch them rush for over 200 and, I don't know, maybe 50 yards. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we pretty much shut down Elijah Moore and we won the ball game. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Elijah Moore. He, before this game, has had a, a bunch of yards almost every game. Um, there's only one game before this where he didn't have over 100 yards. Uh, 227, 92, 143, 113 yards in the previous games. He had 16 yards this game. Pretty good. That's awesome. That That's telling me uh, McCreary and the defense just said, we're shutting you down. Yep. And we're going to force you to do go to other receivers. And yep. uh, that's what happened. Uh, I think that was a big success for this defense. And I'm, I don't point to him. Like, Roger McCreary has been a standout. Uh, he's He's gone up against some of the best uh, wide receivers um, so far this, this year. And he is not back down. He's played hard. Um, and, and, I mean, we, we already mentioned the interception in the end zone. He also had a tackle for loss on Plumlee. This guy can do it all. And uh, I just have a feeling he's going to he's, – he's bumping that draft stock up real quickly. I throw out the Arkansas tape because it was so wet. That was probably his worst performance. But, I mean, even against Georgia, George Pickens may have, like, two catches. One of them, unfortunately, was a diving touchdown. I get that. Those mm-hmm. things happen. But, like, Pickens is not what beats you. And Pickens is probably their best player on offense. So, he should keep – you know, for, for – you know, in essence, he kind of shut that down. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a weapon to have on defense. Along with uh, Colby Wooden, man, did you see, uh, I think I saw where he leads the SEC in tackles for loss? Yeah. I mean, we, we've we kind of silently, I, mean, not, I guess not silently, more quietly, not silently, <laughs> quietly kind of <laughs> become more and more fans of, uh, of Wooden. And every game he seems to do something that – is just a wow moment. And he, like you said, he leads the SEC in tackles for loss. He has six and a half right now. And you're, you're seeing him get in the backfield, not just like, Oh, I'm going to tackle him one yard in the backfield. No, he gets to that mesh point. If there's an RPO, he gets to that, the pretty much where the guy's going to be handed off the ball. And he says, no, you're not going anywhere. Sit right there. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) It's, it's, it's one of those fun things. Like if you haven't been watching Wooden, watch him next game. He he does a good job. I tell you what, man. I, listen, I'm not knocking on any player because he's getting there. But man, Big Cat. If Big Cat could figure out how to take an angle on a quarterback, I mm. mean, he's probably missed five very key sacks this year. So if we can get him and Kobe, Kobe's doing his thing. Big Cat's getting there. We just got to figure out how to like take the right angle to to corral the quarterback. I mean, we could turn into a pretty formidable defensive front there. Yeah, no, I agree. And that that's encouraging for me. Little bit by little bit, you're seeing the guys that, uh, I mean, even wouldn't. I, I didn't even really have him too much on my radar for this year. I don't year. think anybody did, yeah. And you're seeing him lead the SEC already in tackles for loss. And he's a redshirt freshman, so that's a positive sign. Yeah, for sure. So you're at least going to have him for a couple more years after this. If not, you know, this year is a free year. So maybe that's a free four, year. Yeah, if he doesn't, maybe? you know, if he if he stays this good, he'll go pro. But yeah, yeah, I mean, essentially, if he if he doesn't, then yeah, you got this. This year does not count. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another guy I wanted to bring up uh, was uh, Christian Tut. He's uh, if you didn't say he got banged up a few times, would come out and then I, I would 
look back on the field and I see number six running around, I was like, dude, it looked like he might've just broken a bone and he just come right back out hitting hard again. You're like, what the heck? This guy is so resilient. Um, and, uh, come to find out he did have a, a bruised sternum. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I hope he's, he's not out for too long. Um, I hope he's able to, um, play, uh, for the rest of the season and not have to miss any time. Uh, because he's, he's another one of those. He's a resilient guy like McCreary and just, just harasses guys. Um, he is. And, and we'll, uh, right before we jumped on, we also found out that, uh, council, uh, got hurt and he is out the, the whole year. So our thoughts are with him on that. And, Hope for a speedy recovery, and um, you hate to see that with a kid. They yeah. work so hard. Um, so, yeah, Brandon Council, he, he's out with an injury. Yeah, and especially being on the offensive line, you, you're you already kind of trying to figure yeah, okay. out what that identity and gelling yeah. that needs to happen. And uh, I hope that doesn't influence them too, too much um, and can still just fit a guy in there and uh, get him going. Make it work. Yep, yeah, exactly. All right, let's talk about special teams and kind of wrap this thing up. All right, special teams. It was sloppy. Um, it was wet out there. That can be an excuse, but I don't think it's a legit enough excuse. It wasn't pouring. It was kind of drizzling a little bit out there. And, uh, I mean, we had lots of miscues. We had, a, I think, one if not two um, kickoffs where we kind of just, like, dropped the ball, and mm-hmm. that's not okay. That is not mm-hmm. okay. Um you got to just cleanly field that. Um, and then not to mention the punt that uh, was just a bad snap over, uh, over our puncher's head. I mean, uh, I mean, those, those could have been, and, and at some points I was thinking, Oh goodness, that, that just shifted all the momentum because that punt, a uh, bad snap for the punt ended up turning into points for Ole Miss. So uh, it is just a struggle um, on special teams this, this week. And, I mean, that's just something weird I was not expecting to say, considering the last four weeks have been more or less the strong point of uh, of what we've put on the field. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, the two things that you think are almost givens, which are not, if you're in the moment, they're not, but, you know, snapping the ball to the punter and snapping the ball to the uh, holder on an extra point. Yeah, I didn't even and mention that bo- one. Yeah, Both of those almost cost us. I mean, mm-hmm. the extra point, was almost was almost very monumental. Luckily, we got. I mean, the two point conversion didn't matter because we they didn't score on their last drive. But it'd have been very nerve wracking if we were only up six with them driving to go ahead. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I tell you what. I, let's just hope for good weather on this side because we've had <laughs> two two you know rainy games. I didn't realize it's supposed to be rainy there, but it was definitely wet. So. Um, that impacts a lot of that, and I'm looking at the forecast, and apparently it is going to be in the 60s and sunny. Awesome. On Halloween. So. Knocking on some wood that happens, and uh, no rain decides to just show up. Yeah. Well, it's Halloween and it's LSU, so who oh, knows what's going to show dude, up. Dude, they're going to put <laughs> some 2020, crazy so. voodoo yeah. on that crap. Yeah, but it is it is literally 60, for anybody that cares, 66 and not a cloud in the sky is what they're projecting for this Saturday. That's awesome. I think that pretty much wraps us up for this game. Jared, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I think we all just need to let's take a deep breath. Uh, you're not admitting that everything is perfect, but enjoy the win. It's a win. It's not. It's a weird year. Yep. Uh, those kids fought hard, and uh, they could have easily given up after USC. So. Enjoy the win, uh, War Eagle, and uh, that's about all I got, AJ. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you see the guys, and they uh, Auburn puts out some usually fun celebratory video at the end. And uh, you saw the guys, they were celebrating and celebrating hard because they got they won. They they knew going oh, into man, an opponent. Quite hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's for the guys, play for the guys, like or yeah, cheer for, for the guys. Whatever your coaching, you know, view on the coaching staff, play just root for the guys. That's all. That's my leaving point with you. Root for the guys. Those are eighteen-year-old kids putting their hearts on the line. So yeah, always, uh, always cheer for them. I agree with AJ. You can have your thoughts on coaches. That's fine. But the players, they're giving it their all, and they always have for Gus. And that's one thing you can't, you cannot argue. They've always given their all for Gus. Absolutely, uh, Jared. Before we get out of here, uh, how can the people stay in touch with you? Uh, yeah, just uh, find me on Facebook uh, or Instagram under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?